0: Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment and sports wagering intelligence. Welcome sports fans, this is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton, that's right, we are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It is SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. At S-G-N here, we also want to hear from you, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates, that is how you get in touch with us. And guys, I have to tell you, we have a ton to talk about today. Just because the Super Bowl is over, just because the NFL season is over, does not mean that there is... No more sports to bet on. No more sports to make money on. And lots of NFL conversations still to talk about it as well. So we're going to get into all of that. We're going to do a look back at the NFL. Look, we don't usually look back, but sometimes you have to look back to look forward. So we're going to do a look back at the NFL, uh, kind of go over some of the storylines of the Super Bowl, what happened, how it wound up working out for sports bettors, prop players, and all of that get into some NFL news, then we're going to take a look at the NBA. We're at the half for the NBA, a little college basketball and NHL if we have time, and even some baseball if we do have time today. So let's get right into it because there is a ton to talk about. And let's talk about the Super Bowl, right? I, I mean, look, it's over, it's said and done. Uh, and for people that are betting on sports, you know, what the direction of SGN, what we do here is we really concentrate on looking forward, not looking backwards, right? It doesn't matter. Hey, you lost your bet, you won your bets, whatever it is, either the money's in your pocket or the money's out of your account, one way or the other. What I say about what happened in the game really doesn't matter. But sometimes you need to look back to look forward, meaning can you learn some lessons? Can you find some avenues? Can you find some things to go bet on down the road and into the future? So some of that I would like to take a look at here. The first thing I want to mention is the the Joe Burrow conversation, because it is an interesting conversation that people are having. It's a, a conversation that really, you know, you seem to hear it all the time with any Super Bowl loser. You seem to hear it all the time, even with Super Bowl winners. But you certainly seem to hear it when you have a young star quarterback. And that is always, hey, you know what? Uh, next year, yeah, oh, they'll be back. Oh, this is only one chance. You know Dan Marino and and Jim Kelly had a, a pretty funny exchange. Um, when you you go out there and, and you look at Twitter and look, I am somebody that I I, I do follow people on Twitter. Uh, I probably shouldn't, uh, but basically Dan Marino said, "Hey, don't worry, you know. Look at my career. You got a whole you got a whole career to 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 go not get back there, right?" And then Jim Kelly basically said, "Oh, you can be like me. Get to your first one and then you know uh, n- never win one." And ha ha ha! It was a big joke. But the reality is is that's the conversation that's going on with Joe Burrow immediately. And you start to see people thinking certain ways, forcing their agenda on certain situations. But we don't have to go back as Marino and as as far as Marino and Kelly, do we? Patrick Mahomes hasn't won another Super Bowl. We believed just a couple of years ago. We believed after Patrick Mahomes won his first Super Bowl. Oh, here we go. Here comes the dynasty. There were conversations that he's going to be better than Brady, and here comes it. It was. The Chiefs are winning the next five Super Bowls. I mean, there was no one standing in their way. Now, all of a sudden, we look at the AFC and we go, wow. It's absolutely stacked with guys like Burrow and uh, Josh Allen. And, and, you know, what happens if Aaron Rodgers comes over there? You look at Justin Herbert. He's emerging. While the Colts, oh, you know, they look pretty strong. Tennessee was the number one overall seed. Lamar Jackson is going to seemingly be healthy with a healthy team around him this year. What if Pittsburgh gets somebody back? Hey, Mac Jones looked good for part of the year. So we're not automatically thinking that Patrick Mahomes is going to go to multiple Super Bowls. But you do hear it. And we have heard it here about Joe Burrow. Well, you know what? He's going to get back, right? I mean, Joe Burrow is going to get back. And the Cincinnati Bengals right now are tied for the fourth best odds in the AFC, right? Obviously, Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, the new shiny Patrick Mahomes and, and, you know, Josh Allen, the shiny new MVP candidate, Josh Allen. Those two are leading the charge on the entire NFL. They are plus 650, plus 650, both tied for the best odds in the NFL. And then in the AFC... You look at this and you go, okay, who's next in the AFC? Well, the Bengals are right there. Now, the Rams and Niners are above the Bengals, but from the AFC. So he's third. And you start to go, okay, well, what did the Bengals do this? Well, Zach Taylor signed a six-year extension. Why? Because, well, Bengals are going to be right back. Bengals are coming back. They're going to be right there again. Okay, but that's a foolhardy bet to make. First of all, you are going up against the two favorites, which is a problem. Also, you know, one of these statistics that just jump off the page is each of the last 16 quarterbacks to lose a Super Bowl in their debut have never made it back to the Super Bowl as a starter. Let's go over who? Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Colin Kaepernick, Rex Grossman, Matt Hasselbeck, Donovan McNabb, Jake DeLome, Rich Gannon, Kerry Collins, Steve McNair, Chris Chandler, Drew Bledsoe, Neil O'Donnell, and Stan Humphreys. Sixteen quarterbacks to lose in their debut Super Bowl have never made it back. And some of these guys you go, okay, that's obvious. You know, the Stan Humphreys of the world, uh, the Neil O'Donnells of the world, even the Kerry Collins, uh, Jake DeLome. I don't think people necessarily expected them back. The Rex Grossmans. Yeah, I'm a Bears fan. Um, I don't think a lot of people expected them to be back. But there were some of these players. Drew Bledsoe is, you know, I mean, even at that point, he was a borderline Hall of Famer. You almost expected him to get back. Steve McNair was basically a yard away from winning the Super Bowl. You kind of expected him to get back. Donovan McNabb had a career where you always were looking at him to get back. At the time, I mean, look, I think anybody with a brain knew Colin Kaepernick was a terrible quarterback, but he was still young on a very good San Francisco team. Cam Newton. MVP got back. Oh, yeah, here we go. We're going to see Cam in multiple Super Bowls. Matt Ryan won the MVP that year. I think a lot of people expected him to maybe go back. And even Jimmy Garoppolo this year was basically an interception away from going back. So, that means some of them got close, but the idea was, sure, that they would get back. With that being said, I don't think any of them were as young and as much promises as Burrow. Maybe Cam Newton, right? I mean, Cam Newton's probably the only guy that jumps out there for— the age that they got there, for the hype that they got there. And I think that maybe Cam Newton makes a lot of sense. You can't say Jared Goff because I think, again, like the Colin Kaepernick situation, we all saw massive flaws in his game. Um, I think that Donovan McNabb could have been that, but he was a little bit later. So it's not an equal equivalent, but I do want to dispel the notion that, sure, Cincinnati is just going to be back. Right, I mean, I think we have to put that aside. Cincinnati's just, oh, they're just going to be back. I don't know if they're just going to get back. I don't know. I would say this right now, and this is a hot take or whatever you want to call it. I'm not a hot take kind of guy, but this is a reactionary take days after the Super Bowl that I'm having, before the draft, before free agency, before any of it. I don't think Cincinnati makes the playoffs next year. Yeah, let that sit for a minute. I just don't. Look, I have to believe that they win the division for them to make the playoffs in a stacked AFC, and I don't believe that. I don't think that they win the division. To me, Baltimore coming back with 24 healthy guys, uh, 24 guys on the DL, or or the injured reserve that we call it now, um, 24 guys coming back healthy. I think that they are the favorites in the division, at least for me, right? I mean, Pittsburgh, if they get a quarterback, they could be the number 2 seed. So, I have to believe that the Bengals are going to win the division. I'm betting against that. I'm taking Baltimore plus money to win the division where we stand today. You have to assume that Buffalo, Kansas City are going to go in. Tennessee's not dropping off the face of the earth, right? So so that's the three division winners. So, okay, one, two, three, and then I got Baltimore winning, so that's four. So now one, the Bengals got to grab a wild card spot in my scenario. I think the Chargers are going to be very good. I think that there's potential for Denver and the Raiders to both uh, make a playoff push. I think the Colts are going to be right there. I just said that I think that Pittsburgh could very well be like, right there. I got laughed at last year for saying they were going to make the playoffs. I'll say it again cuz Tomlin is just that good. I don't know if the Patriots are going away, right? I don't, I don't expect them to just kind of disappear. So I even Miami might make a, a push. I would bet against the Bengals making the playoffs right now. I am absolutely betting against the Bengals winning the division, and it's not necessarily because I'm a Bengals hater, guys. I I was rooting for the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I'm not a Bengals hater. It's that I see the value. The Cincinnati Bengals should absolutely not be the third, tied for the the, the third best team in the AFC for odds. It just should. It just, they shouldn't be. And I see a lot of people kind of going out there and throwing that down. So I wanted to address that. Um, not a sports betting story, but a lot of people commenting on the the Stafford Hall of Fame conversation. And uh, basically, you know, Richard Seymour opened up his mouth and felt like we, we needed to hear from him. Uh, we didn't. Um, about, you know, Matthew Stafford and what his MVP situation and his MVP legacy is. And basically, Richard Seymour said, no All-Decade team, no All-Pro, no MVP. One Pro Bowl, not even MVP of the Super Bowl. Never considered the best player in any year that he played. Um, I counter that with, it's very tough to judge a man's career when he's in the middle of his career. Outside of Tom Brady, who is just, uh, you know, look, uh, Tom Brady isn't even a unicorn. He's, he's just, he's a myth right now. I mean, Tom Brady's career is, is a thing that, and we're going to tell our grandkids about and they're going to be like, yeah, okay, sure, he was really great at 44, right? I mean, he's, he's Babe Ruth uh, in terms of legacy, right? But outside of that, it's hard to grab a guy in the middle of his career and say, oh, yeah, you know, uh, that, that's him. And I know that Stafford's not in the middle of his career, but he's got the best chance uh, to continue the reign. He's coming off his best offensive statistical season ever. He's coming off of a Super Bowl championship. OK, he's coming off a, a year where I think it's very fair to say he was one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Was he one? Was he two? No. Is he doing the top five? Sure. Now, if his career ended today and Stafford walked away, maybe Richard Sherman has a conversation. But his statistical numbers have to you have to include the the stackers, right? The longevity guys. Eddie Murray in Major League Baseball was a longevity guy. OK, Um, In a lot of respects, and this is going to rile a lot of people up, Hank Aaron got to most of his numbers for longevity. It's not a knock-on, guys. It's just the way that they do it, right? LeBron James is getting there because of the time that he's been, how many games he's played. He's getting there. This isn't a knock on Matthew Stafford. He is number eleven in all-time completions, number twelve in all-time touchdowns, number twelve in all-time yards. He's got a Pro Bowl, he's got a, a Comeback Player of the Year, he's got a Super Bowl championship. Now, I can make a compelling argument that Matthew Stafford right now is a Hall of Famer. I don't know if I put him in right now, but I think he's right there. You know, it, it's it's a tough conversation when you're having about the Hall of Fame because you have to look at the contemporaries that are are in right now. Um, you just did not put Devin Hester in the Hall of Fame. Matthew Stafford's not a Hall of Famer. You just didn't put Zach Thomas in the Hall of Fame. Matthew Stafford's not a Hall of Famer. But a guy like Devin Hester, I think we all know he's going to get in. So will Stafford get in on the first ballot today? No. Does Stafford get in? Yeah. I, I mean, there's an argument. But here's the thing, and this goes to the sports betting realm because the Rams are a pretty tasty 10-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl again. Who's standing in Stafford's way next year, right? They just won the Super Bowl. They will lose Odell Beckham, it looks like, to free agency. But they're going to get a full year of Cam Akers. Aaron Donald's coming back. Leonard Floyd's coming back. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's coming back. He still has Cooper Cup, the best wide receiver on the planet. He's most likely going to get Robert Woods back instead of OBJ. He's got a running game. The offensive line needs a little work. But, okay, Who's who's competing with him in the NFC for next year? Maybe Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Okay, nobody else from that division, unless there's major changes. If Aaron Rodgers comes back to Green Bay, of course Green Bay will be there, so that's two teams. Tampa Bay, you got to eliminate that entire conference of the South. And then you have San Francisco. Kyler Murray's having problems in Arizona. I don't really see them as a competition. Maybe Seattle and Russell Wilson does something amazing. But basically, San Fran, Dallas, potentially Green Bay. That's who's standing in the way of Matt Stafford. That's who's standing in the way of the Rams going back to a Super Bowl. Okay, now let's really break it down. Are the Rams better than the Cowboys? Hell, yes, they are. Are the Rams better than the Niners? With Trey Lance? Starting for the first year? Sorry, guys. I, I think they are. And is Trey uh, uh, is Matthew Stafford and the Rams, are they better than the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers? But maybe without Devontae Adams. No. I Look, I think that the Rams are better than every team in the NFC. Almost by default. I think Matthew Stafford can once again put up a phenomenal season. So, where Richard Sherman's going out there and throwing this on Matthew Stafford, this Rams team is built for the next three seasons, well, this season, and now two more, two more years. Now, you go out there and you give Matthew Stafford two more seasons of the statistical numbers that he just put up this year, he's in the top 10 in all-time completions. And two more seasons of statistical numbers that he put up this year, top 10 in all-time touchdowns. Two more seasons of statistical numbers that he put up this year, top 10 in all-time yards. And he may add another Super Bowl appearance or win in that two-year frame. So when you start to talk about futures plays and future value and and what, you know, these future positions potentially may be. I think a real big component of that is to look at who stands in their way. I was rooting for Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. Okay. From a betting perspective, I made money on Cincinnati. I didn't go crazy, but I made money on Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. Next year I'm fully off of the Cincinnati train. Not because I think Cincinnati is going to get marketably worse. Not because I think that Joe Burrow is not a a fantastic, amazing player. No, no, no. Because the Cincinnati Bengals just have a gauntlet of people to go through next year. The gauntlet in their own division is going to be just incredible. Don't think back to where we believe the Bengals are today. Think about where we believe the Bengals were on September 1st, right? The Bengals were the clear fourth place team. Now, why did they win the division? Oh, they had a good year, sure. But there was also some components that went in their favor, like 24 players, including their star quarterback, getting hurt for Baltimore. Like Ben Roethlisberger really lasting one year too long. By the way, Pittsburgh still made the playoffs, right? Uh, but Cleveland was uh, everyone's darling. I told everybody not to bet it, but Cleveland was everyone's darling to win the division and make the Super Bowl. Um, they certainly have talent. They don't have a front man at quarterback. So that's in their own division. When you scope outside of the division, like I said, Mahomes, Allen, potentially Herbert, the Titans, I, I mean, you have a gauntlet in the AFC. And much like LeBron, who I mentioned a little while ago, when LeBron was just cruising through the Eastern Conference, and there wasn't a single team that could really even compete with him, and he was just exposing people night after night. And let's just say it honestly, cakewalking through the East most of his career, the the entire conversation was, yeah, but if he went to the West, but if he was in the West, he, he wouldn't have anywhere near the resume. That was the conversation for LeBron for a very long time. So I think it's fair to push that on Joe Burrow, which is just happening to Patrick Mahomes as well, which may happen to Josh Allen throughout his career. Meanwhile, the better bet would be the Rams. Not necessarily because I think the Rams are going to get better, but I think the NFC is going to get worse. First of all, Tom Brady just left. Aaron Rodgers may leave. The NFC is wide. You put Joe Burrow in the NFC, Joe Burrow and the Bengals in the NFC, and you throw them into the NFC, I may take them to win it all. If you took the Rams and you put them in the AFC, I'm not making a bet on the Rams getting back, and I don't even think they get there this year. That right there is how a better has to look at this. So the Super Bowl, you know, is over. We've cashed our tickets. We've lost money in our accounts, or we've gained money in our accounts. If you listen to me, you certainly did. Whatever the situation might be, and you go, well, why are we looking back? We're looking back to look forward, right? We're looking back because we have to go look forward at what are we looking at when we're talking about the NFL. What are we looking at when we're talking about going into next year? It is a reactionary conversation to say Joe Burrow's definitely getting back and Matthew Stafford had one lucky year. You know, it, it, it's it's like that Drake meme that they have, you know, and, and the one he's going, no, and the other, right? I'm going no to Joe Burrow and I'm all on Matt Stafford's bandwagon, which I wasn't a week ago, and it's not because the Rams won. It's because of how weak I think that the NFC is. So if you're making a futures play, I'm not going anywhere near Cincinnati, but it's not an anti-Cincinnati thing. I'm also going nowhere near Buffalo. It's not an anti-Buffalo thing because I'm also going nowhere near Kansas City. The odds aren't there enough, and I know they have to go through each other. They all have to go through each other, and it's not enough. In the NFC, basically what I'm betting against is that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams just can't get it done in the playoffs or don't come back. And I like those odds at 10-1. to I'm betting on the Rams today. Today? You asked me my Super Bowl pick today for the NFC? Yeah, Rams are going back-to-back. I don't know if they win it, but they're coming out of the NFC. All right, guys, when we get back, let's switch it up. We'll go to the NBA. I did mention a little bit of LeBron. I'll give you my thoughts. It is NBA all-star weekend, so we have a minute to kind of reset. We'll talk about the ATS. We'll talk about standings. We'll talk about who is a good bet moving forward into the second half. Lots of trades happening, all of that. We'll get into all of that and more right after this right here on Wagering Week. And now, back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way give me three to one odds. You're What are the odds? Okay, guys, what are the odds? Well, what are the odds? We are talking about Kyler Murray, and we mentioned him very briefly here, but there's a lot of problems going on with Kyler Murray, and what's going on is, look, social media, once again, kind of takes control. Kyler Murray, there's a lot of problems that, uh, a lot of speculation. He has problems with Arizona that he wants out. Well, which Arizona quarterback will take the first snap week one of the 2022 regular season? Kyler Murray still in the betting favorite at minus 1,000. Any other quarterback plus 550. This did move, however, from Kyler Murray from 2,000 to 1,000. And any other quarterback plus 850 to plus 150. And 83% of the ticket, 79% of the handle is on Kyler Murray staying, which I do think makes sense. And that is, what are the odds? Now look, Murray is unhappy, all right? Um, but there's a difference between being unhappy and leaving. You got to remember that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is, is kind of his guy, <laughs> right? Or the other way around. You know, he's Cliff Kingsbury's guy. I think that they might be a little a little annoyed. You might have a little bit of problems. But overall, you know, let, let's let just be honest here. Um, I don't think Murray's going anywhere. It, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. All right, let's talk about the NBA here and, and get into – Um, a little bit of what we are dealing with in the NBA at the All-Star break, right? I mean, the storylines that we are having uh, really do focus around LeBron James, the failures that are going on in L.A., the idea that LeBron James is injured. Look, LeBron James came out, and this is a comment that you cannot take with a grain of salt. This is a comment that really has to be at the forefront of things. LeBron James came out, and uh, LakersDaily.com reported this. He said, it's the same uh, he's talking about his injury, his knee injury. It's the same as when I had the high ankle sprain last year. The only way it'll be back to full strength is rest, and I don't have the luxury of having rest. Well, you're 100% right, LeBron. You don't have that luxury. Of course, your team is 20-some-odd games back. Uh, you know, of uh, the first place Suns. Okay, well, you don't have to. You just want to get into this thing. Yeah, you got to get into this thing, but but the Lakers are a mess. Um, There is no guarantee that they are getting into this thing. Just to understand, look, we're recording this show on Thursday, okay? So when, when we were recording the show, they're 21 games back. Portland's 23 and a half. New Orleans is 24 and a half. San Antonio's 25 and a half. Sacramento's 26. You know, A three-game, four-game losing streak, one way or the other, all of a sudden, they're out of the playoffs. And, I mean, that's what we're talking about. They are right on the precipice of not only being out of the playoffs. Three, four teams could jump over them. So, the Lakers are certainly a serious sticking point here. They, They are somebody that moves the needle. They're a team that everybody kind of pays attention to. They're a team that will be heavily bet. All of that is very true. But I have to say this about the Lakers five games under 500 and I get LeBron. I get the expectations of this team. I understand Westbrook. I-, I understand why they're a-, a talking point, but for a sports better, why are we looking at this team? Why should we pay any attention to this team? The answer is that we shouldn't, right? I mean, we should, is anybody taking the Portland trailblazer serious a- as a serious bet going, you know what? In the second half, I'll try to ride them. No, no, Anybody taking the, the Lakers serious? No. Actually, to be honest with you, the Pelicans have been playing really well. And the Pelicans are, uh, you know, about three games back of the Lakers here. The Pelicans have been playing, you know, better basketball here of late. Going in, you know, they had one uh, go, Going into today, you know, they won five of the last eight games. They got a win in Denver. That was impressive. So if you want to talk about a team that maybe is finding their groove, I'll talk about Denver and not the Lakers. I don't think that there's any value in betting on the Lakers in the second half. And I don't love to bet against them either. Because while the Lakers are a, look, they're a bad team, right? They did play a two-point game in Golden State earlier this week. They lost a two-point game against the Blazers. You know, they did beat the Knicks in a spot where it was an interesting kind of game. You know, they beat the Nets, well, who doesn't? they did beat the jazz at home. So, the Lakers have some ability to put together a good game here or there, but I don't think from a, a sports betting standpoint we should even be paying attention to them. To me, they're just they're a non-story, they're a non-factor, and moving forward, I can't find a spot to sort of bet on them or against them. Look, if you want to say something with the Lakers, you know, there might be some value at home where they are, you know, four games over 500, they're miserable on the road. Four games over 500. When they do take on Eastern Conference teams, they seem to elevate, especially at home. Uh, there, there, are, There's some of that. Some stuff makes sense. But overall, you know, I, I'm staying far away from this team. A lot of the same things go for the Clippers, where at home they have the identical record. They can't seem to win on the road. They beat up on bad teams, can't seem to elevate their game against good teams. You know, the bottom of the Western Conference, the bottom of the Western Conference that are staring at the playoffs, just very unappealing. Minnesota has been playing well. Um, Again, I don't see them as somebody I'm looking at in the second half. To me, it's a six-team race. Phoenix, Golden State, Memphis, Utah, Dallas, Denver. Now, Denver has gotten back into this thing. Weirdly, they have the same amount of wins at home as on the road, but where most teams, you know, you look at, since I brought up the Lakers, you know, Lakers have 27 road games. Portland has 27 road games. Um, You look at the Denver Nuggets, now they played 31 road games, only 26 at home. So their second half of the schedule here is going to be quite a few home games, and they're starting to sort of hit their stride. They've won four or five going into today. Um, in in route to doing that, four or five, you know, they are holding court at home. I mean, that's what they're doing. You know, they won three straight at home. They did beat the Bucks on the road just last week, or a week and a half ago. They did beat the Pelicans on the road. Not a huge win, but it is. They beat the Nets on the road. If they are able to continue to play well on the road and elevate that home record, right, where they're they're going to get more games at home than most other teams. Think about it. They've played 26 home games. Dallas, the team that's in front of them by a game and a half, has played 31 uh, right, so they're five games at home, difference than the team that they're kind of chasing. Uh, the team in front of them, four games in front of them. Utah played 31. They've played the least amount of home games among all these competitors. Again, it's all these teams that are right in it, they have just not played any home games. So Denver's a team that I'm looking at in the second half, and I'm going. This is a team that can streak in the right direction. This is a team that could start to put things together. They are within striking distance of the number five seed. Absolutely. Can they catch the number four Utah Jazz? Yeah, maybe they can. I don't know if they could get to three. Uh, you know, the, the three seed is is maybe out of their realm right now. But I do think a second-half team to bet on is going to be Denver because they're going to be a backloaded home schedule. You look at the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas is in fifth place. Dallas is a team that I do like, but they are a home-dominant team. 20 wins at home, 14 away. They're just a barely above 500 away. You start to look at who Dallas is, right? And look, they are a home young team. They're still a young team, and they dominate at home. That's going to be a spot where in the second half, you could probably pick them at home, but you could fade them on the road. And going into you know a potential playoff series, I, you can't expect Dallas to do anything really well on the road. Utah's the number four seed. Utah's had their problems this year. They've had some injuries. They've had some problems. They've had some issues. They are still 15 games over 500. They are still dominating at home with one of the best home records in the league. They're four games over 500 on the road. They are 11 and one in the division, guys. 11 and one in the division. 22 and 11 in the conference. That's pretty good too. And weirdly, the Utah Jazz still have that mindset. Remember, you're going to get a lot of betters that are jumping on board right now into the NBA. They haven't watched the NBA this year, and they're just remembering kind of from last year. Um, The Utah Jazz are known as a defensive team. I mean, that's who they are. They're all defense. Well, this year they have a phenomenal offense of 114 points per game. 114 points per game, guys. It's the best offensive scoring in the Western Conference. I mean, the only team in all—it's the best conference scoring. It's the best scoring in the entire league. Uh, Charlotte is right there, neck and neck. So depending on when you're listening, maybe they would catch up. That's something you can take advantage of. People still thinking that Utah is a great defensive team and not so much the offensive caliber team that they really are developing into. That's something to pay attention to in the second half as well. The Memphis Grizzlies. They're in third place. Memphis is coming, though. Memphis is a game and a half back of the Golden State Warriors. And Memphis is streaking. The Memphis Grizzlies are the best against the spread team in the entire NBA. They are covering because people don't believe in them. nine at home, 21 and 9 away. They are consistent home and away. They are just outside, you know, the top two in points per game by the time you listen. If you're listening, maybe, we're again, we're recording on Thursday. If you're listening on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, maybe Memphis goes and becomes the the top-scoring team. They've won six games in a row. They are streaking in the right direction. Now, John Morant is having a little bit of issues with his leg, which worries me. But I think that Memphis is a team that people seemingly are overlooking. They're overlooking how hot they are. They're overlooking how good they can be. They're overlooking that they can have the style that we can just outscore you. And when you're getting into the two big boys, Phoenix and Golden State, that's what they do. They try to run with you. Now, Golden State and Phoenix both play eh, you know, better defense by about five points per game than Memphis, but Memphis outscores both of them. Now, the Golden State Warriors are the team everyone wants to talk about. And both of these teams, by the way, only have five home losses. So you can't expect, even into a playoff series or going into the second half here, them to ever lose at home. I mean, literally, just, just never lose at home. But Phoenix only has five away losses. Do you know how unbelievably incredible that is? And the Phoenix Suns are still not getting the credit that they deserve. They're nine and one in the last ten games. They've won six straight games. Twenty-five and five away. Twenty. Uh, twenty-five and five at home. Twenty-two and five away. They're dominating it. They are crushing this. If you really want to find a, a problem area with them. There's only six and four in the division, but that's just because it's a good division. The Phoenix Suns are only five and a half games up on the Warriors, but they look like by far, by far the best team in the NBA. I mean, it's not even close when you're really breaking this down. All right. Let's go to the Eastern Conference. And, you know, teams like Detroit and Orlando. Orlando's been playing a little bit better. You could make some money on them. They are five and twenty at home, but they're only four and six in the last ten. So you you could make some money on them. Um, I know Indiana was was kind of looking like something that we could make money on early on. Now they've lost seven straight there in a tailspin. You could make money betting against Detroit seemingly every night with their 12 wins and 8 losses in a row. The uh, the Knicks were a fun team to sort of go on and bet, but their defense is actually now worse than their offense. The Knicks can't win there. Washington has gone into a complete and utter tailspin. Again, their defense is worse than their offense, and you're just not going to win games like that, although they are 500 at home. So maybe something that you could look at there. Now you get into um, Atlanta, Charlotte. These are teams that are right on the precipice. Can they be caught by the Knicks in Washington? Sure they can. Can they fall out of favor? Absolutely. I don't really believe in Atlanta who's 3 games under 500. I don't believe in them because they are really bad on the road, 7 games under 500 on the road, which doesn't uh, bode too well for them. Their points and defensive points are both about even. They are really a 500 team by every metric that you can say. Go to the last 10 games, they're 5-5. Five and five. They are a 500 team through and through. I don't see a spot to kind of jump on top of them one way or the other. Same thing with Charlotte. To me, this is a 500 team. Two games under 500 away, one game over 500 at home. Their scoring is less than a point difference between their, uh, you know, their op- opponent scoring. Their defense is exactly what their offense was. So that's that. The Brooklyn Nets have just in a bad way. They're one in nine the last ten games, uh, under 500 at home. Everyone is still betting on the Nets though, and you know this is from a sports betting perspective. You just can't make money on the Nets because of that, because the lines never really adjusted to what their real record is. The lines never really adjusted to what their downfall here is. The lines never adjusted because they are still the Nets and they are that gleaming team that everybody seems to want and everybody seems to like. I'm sorry, guys, when you look at it like this, you know, they are a 500 team, a little bit better than 500 maybe, but they're basically a 500 team. But they're being lined as a top team in this conference, and you cannot go near that. Toronto, Toronto sort of the same thing, a little bit better than 500. Everything for Toronto really kind of rests on how, how healthy they're going to be in the second half, which is, is a tough thing to bet on. Now we get into the top six teams, and again, to me, the top six teams, they're all separated by three and a half games, which means it's anyone's game. And you go with the sixth team, which is the Boston Celtics, they are absolutely on fire fire right now. First of all, they are 20 and 10 at home, so they dominate at home. They've won nine games in a row. The Boston Celtics are on fire right now. Their offense is not beating people. Their offense is humiliating people. They went into Philadelphia and got a 135-87 win this week. Humiliated them. They went into Brooklyn and got a 126-91 win last week. Humiliated the Nets. They are they went, uh, well, they had the Heat come to them and won by three. 30 against the first place heats. They are not winning. They are humiliating teams and they're humiliating teams that are gunning for a title teams that are looking like they're gunning for a title. Now, one of the things I will say is smart is lost to an ankle injury. Okay. We don't know how long he's going to be out. That is going to be a ding on Boston moving forward for the next couple of games because people start to see how good they are. And now smarts hurt. Well, that's going to be a problem. So, I think the Celtics still have a chance to be the number one overall seed. I think the Celtics still have a chance to win this all. I think the Celtics, when they're playing at this level, are the best team in the league, and I've said that since uh, the preseason. I like them, especially at home. But with Smart being banged up, the lines may be a little bit adjusted this week, and it might be a layoff spot just for the next couple of games. Philadelphia, coming off of that humiliation, lots of trades, Harden going here. There's a lot of shuffling going on in Philly, and it's a hard team to really sit back and handicap one way or the other. I don't know when everyone's going to be part of this team. I don't know how Embiid is going to hold up from here on out. I don't know what kind of psychological aspect it is. I need more time. On the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll talk about them next week. I need more time on what the Sixers are doing, who the Sixers team is. Because after the big trades and after all that, I'm sitting back and I'm going, you know, I still don't know who Philadelphia is. I'm shocked at who the Cleveland Cavs are. Because Cleveland's 18-9 and nine at home. Okay? Cleveland is the fourth seed. Cleveland's 12 games over five hundred. And I still don't buy into Cleveland. And guess what? Neither do the line makers. They are not buying into Cleveland. That's why they've been such a a good bet this year. And, you know, when you really sit back and you break down the against the spread and and the numbers, Cleveland's the third best team. They're covering 62% of the time. They are a great bet this year because people do not believe in them. My problem is neither do I. I still don't believe in them. Now, at home, it's hard to argue their record. It's the old Bill Parcells. You are what you are, you know, what your record says. Yeah, I get it. I just can't seem to back this team. Which brings me to the top three. Miami, Chicago, and Milwaukee. Now, Miami's in first place, and you know that I've liked them for a while. 19-7 and 7 at home. Their defense is phenomenal at 104.4 points per game. Um, only, there's only Cleveland? Yeah, Cleveland's got the best defense in the league. Only Cleveland and Dallas have better defenses as far as opponents' points per game. So Miami's getting it done and winning the way that we expect them to, which is winning at home, winning with defense, and they are having a great year. My problem with Miami um, is that while you do look at the Miami Heat as a serious threat, and that's exactly what I see them as, a serious threat, I also look at Miami and I go, you know, do you have that, that extra gear? I'm not sure that they have that extra gear. I think they, they are a deserving one seed. I think they could go very far, but I'm not sure they have that extra gear. The Chicago Bulls fall into a very similar spot. Now, Zach Levine was banged up this week, so that kind of hurts them a little bit, but they still have won four games in a row. They're 22-8 and eight at home, a little bit over 500 on the road, but what do they do spectacularly well? At least Miami, we could point to the defense, right? At least with Miami, you go, okay, the defense is what makes them click, and they're going to lean on the defense at all times. The, the Bulls, you know, they don't do anything particularly well. Scoring is nice. It's in the top 10. Their defense uh, lets up about two more points uh, less per game. You know, they don't do anything fantastically defensively. They don't do anything fantastically offensively. Um, they win great at home, but who doesn't? Uh, there's nothing spectacular about the Bulls, but they're consistently out there, just consistently winning. I think the hype machine is going to get caught up with the Bulls here in the second half, though. Um, I'm not sure they can remain 16 games over 500, 638 winning percentage. I don't know if they could remain there, and the lines are telling me that the Bulls, look, they may not be a bet against, but I don't think that they are going to be a bet on. They are the fourth best team in the NBA right now, at just 50, just about 60%. Covering rate. I just think that that's going to come back down. And if it comes back down to even about 55%, you're going to lose money on just blindly backing Chicago. Milwaukee's up next, and Milwaukee is sitting in the three seed. I think Milwaukee's the best team in the East. I've thought Milwaukee was the best team in the East for a while. Now, I know Milwaukee got off to a rough start, and that really is still lingering in people's minds. But you're not getting a lot of value on Milwaukee as far as the lines makers go. Because, you know, they're still Milwaukee, right? As a matter of fact, they are only hitting 44%. They are one of the 10 worst covering teams in the NBA when you're talking about against the spread. But I think that that gets really overblown. I think Milwaukee is designed here for a late run. I think that they really will have a big-time second half. And we did start to see it before the break, what they are. Look, they're 13 games over five hundred, and they are only a game and a half out of first place overall. But I think we did start to see... Their problems and their successes. Look, they go on a three-game road trip um, where they put up 130 or more against the Lakers, Clippers, and and Blazers. Put up 130 on a three-game West Coast road trip. I don't care who you are. That's fantastic. But then they go and, and they watch the Suns put up 131 on them. And they only managed 107 in back-to-back games. It kind of came back to it. They come back home. They put up 128. This team is winning with offense. And it's winning because Giannis is just the best player on the planet. They're winning with offense, winning with Giannis. I think that is a formula for success. But I don't know if that is a betting formula for success. I don't know if we could sit back and actually make money on that. Now, I do think that the overs will continue. So that's something to certainly pay attention to. I think we can absolutely count on the overs coming in for milwaukee all right guys look that is into the future now let's go bet to the future we're sending you back to the future okay all right bet Bet to the to the the future Bet to the future. Well, we're talking about the NBA and the NBA second half. Well, that eventually leads to what? Well, the NBA championship. I have odds to win the 2022, updated odds to win the 2022 NBA title. Phoenix is still up front, plus 425. The Golden State Warriors are nipping out their tail at plus 480. People still absolutely believe in the Brooklyn Nets at 5 to 1, Milwaukee's plus 550, Philly after their moves move up to 650, Miami, first place Miami, you could still get 10 to 1 odds, Utah 13 to 1, the Lakers for some strange reason still 20 to 1. Memphis is 21 as well. The Nuggets and Mavericks and Bulls and Celtics are all 30 to 1. You can still get the Cavaliers at 40 to 1, even though they're a number two seed. Toronto and the Clippers, 70 to 1. Atlanta's 80 to 1. Minnesota, Charlotte are both 100 to 1. 200 to 1. The Knicks and Spurs, 300 to 1. Kings, Pelicans, Wizards, Blazers are 400 to 1. Orlando, Pistons, Pacers, Rockets, and Thunder all come in at 500 to 1. And that is bet. To the future. Hey, eh, guys, listen, you're talking about betting to the future. I, I mean, what jumps out of here? First of all, forget about OKC, Houston, Indy, Detroit, Orlando, Portland, Washington, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, Knicks, Charlotte. Throw them all out. Minnesota, 100 to 1. All right, we're throwing them out. <laughs> right? I think we could throw out Atlanta. I, I'm throwing out the Clippers, Toronto. I, the Cleveland Cavs are 40 to 1. Does anybody believe that defense wins championships? Does anybody buy into defense wins championships? Because if you do, 41 Cleveland Cavs. I it, I mean, it's worth a shot. The Celtics at 30 to 1. I, I like that. I liked it a lot more before Smart got hurt. The Bulls at 30 to 1. I think the East is open. Mavs, I don't love. Denver, I don't love. Memphis, you know, I don't love. I don't love anybody in the West. Lakers at, at 21 is just ridiculous. The Jazz, nah. Miami ten to one got a, got a little intrigue there. See, I think the Bucks are the best team, and there's just no value there. Absolutely not betting on Brooklyn. Definitely got to see about Philly, and then there's no real value on the Suns or Warriors, even if you think they're going to win it. Um, I would urge people right now: look, if you if you're going to take something, you stay away from the West, where you have the Suns and Warriors are just dominating. I, I would stay far away from the West. I, I mean, even you know, even the East can get a little dicey. Because you're gonna to have to go up against a potentially a healthy Nets team in the playoffs, a Bucks team with Giannis on a mission in the playoffs, a potentially healthy and physically good Sixers team in the playoffs, a defensive team in Miami, but 40 to 1 for the Cleveland Cavs, who I told you I don't really believe in, 40 to 1 for them, 30 to 1 Bulls, 30 to 1 Celtics. Yeah, you I know, I mean, geez. That's a, that's a pretty good odds. I, it's just it. It's just solid odds. I don't know if you like it or not, um, but it's good odds. And I, the way that the Celtics were playing, if Smart didn't get hurt, I'd probably be all over that thirty to one. Smart going down really did kind of put a damper on things. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's quickly do a full ATS report, and that's against the spread in the NBA. Since we're staying with the NBA here, I want to continue with it. This is just a few days before the All-Star break, so basically this is going into the All-Star break. Memphis is number one, like I said. It's just about 68% cover rate. They are the best against the spread team in the NBA. People still continue to look down upon the Memphis Grizzlies. I understand why they're doing that. Uh, Memphis is a team that is up and coming. Now with Ja Morant being banged up, maybe that goes down a little, but I, I still believe that Memphis is getting underrated, as you just saw with the, the futures odds, that we can look at Memphis and say, you can still probably make money on them here. OKC is number two. Now, OKC is the perfect example of a team that's a bad team, right? They're not good, but they're just seemingly to playing close games. They're covering. They're playing close. Cleveland, no one buys into. They're at 62%. Chicago, somehow or another, they're still at 60%, even though people do buy into them. Toronto's next. Miami after that. Phoenix, of course. Look, if you're a good team, you're going to be covering. Uh, Charlotte, Dallas, Golden State, Minnesota. Those are teams that you're making money on, right? So you're making on Memphis. Memphis, OKC, Cleveland. Chicago, Toronto. Miami, Phoenix, Charlotte, Dallas, Golden State, Minnesota. And Minnesota's a questionable. I I always say 53%. They're 52.6. I don't know if you're really making money on Minnesota. So basically 10 teams in the league you're making money on and that's it. Now, the middle of the pack. San Antonio, Boston, Philly, New Or, which means just, oh, look, a little winning streak in there in the positive. San Antonio, Boston, Philly, New Orleans, and the Clippers are all within a percentage point up or down on 50%. Then you get Indiana, Utah, Sacramento, Detroit, Denver, New York, Milwaukee, Orlando, uh, Atlanta, and the Lakers. Right about 44 to 46%. That's all All of that. So even though the Lakers have had a bad year, you know, and they are one of the five worst teams as far as covering range, give them a three-game winning streak and they'll be middle of the pack. That's what's separating middle of the pack and kind of where we're sitting here. It's not a big separation uh, these teams can turn it around. That's why somebody like Milwaukee, you know, at 44%, I don't expect Milwaukee, uh, with their record in the second half coming up, to continue to be under 500. And the same thing with Denver, you know, that backloaded home schedule. I think Denver's going to make some money here. So that goes to the four worst teams Houston, Portland, Washington are all about 40% to 41%. And then the Brooklyn Nets are 37%. They are easily the worst team against the spread in the NBA. Everybody kind of just keeps expecting them to turn it on. Expecting things to change. Expecting the Nets to become the Nets that they thought they were in the beginning of the year. Guys, here's a newsflash. I don't expect that. I don't expect Brooklyn to all of a sudden ramp it up. Look, Brooklyn is a team that I wouldn't bet against in the playoffs because KD is so good. I wouldn't bet against them to get to the playoffs. I wouldn't bet against them you know, beating any team in the East to get to the championship. no. But second half, that's what we're talking about. I'm not talking about long-term. I'm talking about second half here, and I'm not betting on Brooklyn. Uh, let's take a look at, at the over-unders, because this is always kind of a fun one. Again, we're in a situation, um, when you're talking about over-unders, there's 12 teams that are making you money for the over. 12 teams. So it, it, It's about right. And, you know, honestly, those 12 teams, three of them I could argue. I could argue, are they really making you money? Right. So we'll start with those three Orlando, San Antonio, and Denver, all about 53.5, 53.6%. 53% 53 makes you money. If you got a bad line by one game, all of a sudden they're under. So I don't know if you could consider them all over teams that are making you money Orlando, San Antonio, Denver. um, I I don't look at it. So I look at nine teams that are making you some over money here. Atlanta, barely beating the threshold. You know, I could see that continuing. You know, Trey Young had missed some time this year. So getting him back healthy, they're an offensive scoring team. Chicago. At 55%, Memphis at 55%, Toronto 55%, Indiana 55%. Um, I think Memphis is going to continue to score. I love their offense. They may go down a little bit with Morant. Um, hampered, we'll say. I don't know how much time he's going to miss, but hampered. Uh, and Chicago, uh, Zach Levine being banged up a little bit. Maybe they rest him. Maybe they, they limit their minutes. But again, we're going into the All-Star break. And coming out of the All-Star break, they should have fresh legs and be okay. So really, you have four over teams that you could sort of count on being over teams. The Lakers at 58% are an over team. And here's the, the shocking thing about the Lakers. It's not because of their offense. It's because people looked at this and wanted to believe that this team was a good defensive team. And they're just not. They're not a good defensive team. LeBron, uh, LeBron has never been the great defensive player that people made him out to be. But he was always much better than he, he looks now. Davis and Westbrook, I mean, Westbrook doesn't play any defense. I play better defense than Westbrook. So, you look at this and you go, okay, the Lakers, I think they're going to continue that. I think their offense will probably catch up. I think their offense will have a better second half, but I see nothing in their defense to tell me that they're all of a sudden going to be a a, a good defensive team. No, no, no way. Um, Houston, Houston can't get out of its own way offensive, uh, offensively, but it doesn't matter defensively. They're they are awful. 58%. Again, not a team I'm going to continue to. Expect at a 58% clip, but I think that you could still make money on Houston overs. And then Miami and Minnesota. Minnesota at 62% leads the way. And look, they're a good, young team, exciting, offensive-driven team. They do have some defensive, you know, mindset here and there. But overall, this team wants to run. They want to score. They're a pretty fast-paced team. And then you come to Miami. And this is where I want to have a conversation because Miami is, like we said in the last segment, maybe the best defensive team in the league. You could very well argue the best defensive team in the league. But everyone knows it, guys. And that's the thing. The lines makers know that the public knows Miami gets by on defense. Miami is a defensive unit. Miami's getting in first place because of defense. Miami's leading the East because of defense. It's a defensive team. They were in the championship a couple of years ago because of defense. Miami, defense. Miami in defense. Miami in defense. Miami in defense. So they set the line too low. Miami's a 60% over team, guys. 60% over. Because you're setting the line too low, so all the defensive metrics don't really matter. All right, teams in the middle: Sacramento, Washington, Charlotte, Detroit, Clippers, Milwaukee, Phoenix, Utah, Brooklyn are all forty-eight to fifty-one percent. You can't really make money on their over/unders here or there. Um, and and I'll even throw in Brooklyn, who's uh, you know forty-eight percent. Right. So they're, they're, those are the teams that you can't really make money on their over/unders. So we had nine teams you can make money on overs to me. Um, you could argue eight, but nine. And nine teams you can make money on the unders, and here are the nine under teams: Portland, New York, OKC, are all and and we'll even throw Boston, New Orleans, and Golden State in there. Philadelphia; those seven are fifty three to fifty eight percent. New York was a good defensive team early in the season; they haven't looked good lately. I think that they will eventually get back into not making you money if you're betting unders. Portland losing offensive pieces. Again, I think that the line will adjust. I don't think that we're going to see Portland making you money at the end of the year on unders. OKC, I could see them staying right about where they are. Boston, I think, is going to start becoming an over team. We watch Boston. What are they done? You know, Boston's going out there and putting up, uh, uh, you know, some impressive wins. Eventually, I think that turns into some overs. So they become not that kind of team. New Orleans, same sort of feel. I think that there's more offense left on the table for them. Golden State's a very good defensive team. And they, the reason why Golden State and Philly are where they are is because, as under teams, making money out, under. Because people look at Golden State and Philly and they see the superstars. And they see the stars and they go, yeah, this is a star-laden team. They're going to score. Not the case here. Cleveland's an under team. Cleveland makes sense as an under team, as one of the best under teams in the league. Why? Because Cleveland is maybe the best defensive team in the league, right? Cleveland is very potentially the best defensive team in the league while well, they're going to play unders because people don't have that all-star. They don't have that big name. They don't have that MVP on Cleveland. They're just a team defensive unit. And then the Dallas... Mavericks at 66%. They are the best team to make money on, on any total. Their 66% total ratio is better than any anybody playing any overs, and they are just a dominating defensive team. All right, guys. Well, enjoy the All-Star weekend. It is the time to kind of reset. Take your, a breath here. I always say that the NBA kind of has four seasons, right? It's before Christmas, before the All-Star break, after the All-Star break in the playoffs. So we're into that second half. We're into that time where we can really start making some good money because using perception against reality like we just went over is what we're going to be doing. All right, guys, I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.